Welcome back to the podcast on everything. I have with me CJ Ponzo. We are going to be discussing The Last Dance, episodes 8 and 9, the recap, which is the finale. And I saved CJ especially for this because he's a huge sports fan, and I really want to get his take on this. Um, so CJ, thanks for joining. Yes, sir. Thanks for having me, man. I'm excited. Let's, let's dig into this thing. Yeah, so... We're just going to um, talk the ending of episode 8, which is Reggie Miller saying he's he feels like he's going to be the guy that's going to put MJ into retirement. <laughs> and, which I'm like, holy crap, like, <laughs> like the confidence of this man. And then it goes into the series in which I don't know about you, but I think that the Pacers might have been the best team they've ever played before the finals, because that was the way they make it. Like it was like, according to MJ, it was like the toughest team he had to go through to get there um, since the Pistons. Yeah, I was gonna say you can't rule out the Pistons, man. I don't know those, those Pistons games; they were a brutal series. Yeah, um, yeah, and the Pacers when they started saying the names, you're just like, like it, to me, it brings it back. I'm like, oh my god, like those are so many good players, and they had Larry Bird as the coach. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I think uh, it's interesting. We'll, we'll start with Reggie's comments. Like Reggie, Reggie never won a championship, right? So he's a guy who he had enough confidence to think he was going to knock MJ off, but I don't think he ever got a got a championship. Um. Uh, you know, I mean, they had a they had a really good team. I think that that Detroit series was a little more physical uh, and rough on Jordan. And Jordan didn't have the team. I mean, I guess he did have the team around him, but they didn't have Rod and they didn't have all the pieces. Uh, but yeah, I don't know, man. Uh, it did go to game seven. I think it only happened twice, right? Yeah, so, I think I it was one of the teams. But I just. I felt like they could have ran away with the series had had, had the the game four incident not occurred. You know, the Bulls could have kind of closed that. Yeah, yeah. They started off. They won two in Chicago, and then they go to Indiana, and they just make that place look like it's the toughest place to win at, beside Chicago. And it's back and forth, and Reggie Miller discusses his push off on Jordan because he knew that they were that that no matter what Jordan was going to switch. And Reggie Miller was taking that last shot. And what do you think? Like, do you think that that they didn't make a call just because it was the last shot, or that you think they honestly didn't see Reggie Miller throw Jordan like four feet away? <laughs> yeah, what he called a what he called a little push off, right? Uh, yeah, I don't know, man. I debated that. Like, it, it was a different era of the NBA. It was more physical of a game. You know, the rules allowed a little more contact. Um, but, that, yeah, that's what I took away. Like, it, it had to have been just because it was the last shot. Like, how else do, you know, I mean, in today's NBA, there's no question that, you know, they're calling that they're calling that foul. Like, there's, there's no way they're not calling that push-off. So, um, I don't know, man, maybe because it was a shot, it was in that moment, I don't I don't feel like they could have missed it. And, I, you know, it's, it's uh, as an MJ fan, I'm a little disappointed that they didn't call it, but you know, all is well. <laughs> yeah. All is well in the end. Yeah, I'm. I'm glad, and I don't know if this happened, but I'm glad MJ didn't like cr- cry and whine about it afterwards. At least they didn't put it in the documentary. So I'm assuming yeah. he didn't. He just turned around and walked away. I mean, you know, if you watched it, I, I, that, that was one thing I took away too. Like. As soon as he missed it, Jeremy. I'm sorry. As soon as he made the shot, Jordan just turned around, and walked away. Like he didn't cry, he didn't throw his hands up. He didn't. You know, I don't know about like the post post game conference or anything like that. But uh, you know, can you imagine? I hate to make it a LeBron MJ thing, but can you imagine any of the superstars today getting pushed off and not immediately like going to the refs and, and crying? About that? Yeah, especially if the guy makes the shot. <laughs> you know, like if he misses it, then it doesn't matter. But the fact that he made it, right, right, you know, yeah, I was wondering the same thing. Like, I wonder what, I wonder what, uh, what happened afterwards if he said anything, because it didn't seem like he did. But um, yeah, um, the last thing about the Pacers 
was that it goes to Game 7, and you really learn about this new father figure in Michael Jordan's life. His name was Gus Lett. He was a security guard. He used to be a police officer. And he just kind of, like, took over that role that Michael Jordan needed. And he's going through chemo, and he shows up to Game 7 because he doesn't want to miss it for Michael Jordan. Um, what's your thoughts on, on hearing about this new father figure in his life? Yeah, that, that was uh, definitely an emotional up in the story because you kind of, they talk about his father and everything that happened with his father and sort of him, him having that void and they never really, I mean, they did get into his relationship with his security, but they never really in depth, you know, talked about Gus until that point. Um, but yeah, I thought that was huge for him. I thought having that presence there um, or, you know, at least the way it seemed in the documentary um, seemed like it was a big factor to him. He gave, he gave him the game off, right? I think he gave him the game off yeah. when the game was over. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that was... Uh, it, it, there weren't a lot of moments in the documentary that showed you sort of the emotional side of Jordan. You've seen, like, the... Maybe the frustrated side or maybe, like, the, the petty side, but, like, him really opening it up, that was one of the few moments in the documentary that they really showed you know him how much he cared about another person and um, you know I thought that was important to see when you look at his legacy yeah and I, I liked hearing about this like this older gentleman that just kind of you know takes over this role and helps MJ out and um, yeah the other thing that I, I took away from the Pacers series was the Pacers especially um, Reggie Miller thinks that the whole game changed on the jump ball, that there was a jump ball, they were they were rolling, they lose it, it gets the curry, makes a three, and then they went on like a short run, and the game never got you know tied again. And he's like, if it wasn't for that jump ball that went <laughs> that that went to Pippen and all around, he's like, we would have won. And it's crazy to think about you know yeah. just the little things like that that make a series up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, for sure. I, I definitely uh, when they when they talked about the um, when they talked about the jump ball, I was kind of like, well, I don't get it. Like there was still plenty of there was still plenty of time left. But we've all been involved in like whatever tight games or different sports things like that. There usually is a play. There's usually something that makes a difference, and, and you know, kind of puts everything in the direction one way or another. But yeah, I, I thought the jump ball was a little overblown. I'm not gonna lie. Like I was like, okay. You know, it, it had an impact, but who's to say, you know, they didn't shut him down and then go on a run anyway. I mean, it, it's it's tough, but uh, I don't know. The, the Pacers felt like it had a big impact on the on the rest of the game, but to me, it was that was overblown. That was like an overblown <laughs> element of, of that game. To me, this is my personal. Yeah, that's funny. yeah. Um, what I appreciate after was um, Larry Bird. They show Larry Bird and MJ meet. After the series is over, and he's coaching, and he he just basically like an hey, f you, <laughs> and like shakes MJ's hand and keeps going. <laughs> yeah, I mean they they got a good relationship, man. So I, I was it was cool to see some of that too. You've seen Larry Bird after the game, you've seen Carl Malone and later on in the series, but uh, yeah, it was it was cool to see just like the ultimate respect they had for each other, and uh, even even Larry Bird. Uh, I, I want to say. What shot was it? Was it after? It might have been after Reggie Miller's shot, but like Reggie makes a shot and Larry Bird's just stone cold, just like just staring, like he's not even excited yet, right? Because he knows MJ, you know, still has to uh, has a chance to take a shot. He can, they competed with each other, man, so they probably got the ultimate uh, friendship and just respect for each other. So that was cool to see. Yeah, and that, that's what the document. Why I like the documentary so much is you saw those like little behind the scenes things like that of like these competitors on the court and how much like they compete but then off how much respect they had for each other in this era um so the other takeaways from episode nine was steve kerr and his whole backstory um i knew a little bit of it we discussed before the podcast like you really didn't know much about steve kerr's history and his like family um and his father dying in another country. And what kind of impact that had on him. And that 
that was a bond that MJ and Steve Kerr had together, but they never discussed it, which I thought was kind of strange that they had this, you know, this bond of fathers being murdered, but they never talked about it right. to each other. Hey, what did you think about that? Yeah, that was all, uh, that was all new to me. I didn't I didn't know anything about Steve Kerr and even even MJ's dad. I, you know, I knew his dad had died, but I didn't I had no idea how or the events. Like I just didn't remember it because uh, I was younger, probably. But yeah, I was kind of blown away by the fact that they they shared something so uh, so similar and never had a conversation about it. You know, um, but I think it. You know, you wonder after you watch the series how close Jordan really was to some of these guys. I mean, he was on he was on like another level. He had to live his life a, a different way, just the success and the level of superstar that he was. But I, I did kind of um, that was a head scratcher to me. Like I kind of walked away going, like, man, how much of a personal relationship did he ever really establish with some of these guys um, that were in the locker room? But um, I guess it, it did help for Steve Kirk uh, to get an idea of like what he went through, and I think uh, anybody who pays attention to basketball at all knows that like he tends to go about the issues and things that I and things that so it some of make like his stance on gun control and things like that um, a little bit more when you know when you know what happened. But yeah, I'm kind of blown away that him and Jordan never really. Sat down, have a conversation. Had a conversation about it. I mean, it's it's personal. It's something super personal. But um, I don't know. You could tell that Jordan had that void, and it bothered him for a long time. So it's surprising that they never had a conversation about it. Yeah, you bring up good points about his relationship with um, the people he basically went to war with. As has basically how he would call it. That did like did he even know about Steve Kerr's dad? You know, at the time. Or did right. he, you know? Right. Yeah, it, it was a head scratcher. Now, like when I when I was like, why would they not talk about it? But but in the end, Steve Kerr, and this was before he gets the respect of Michael Jordan, and they go into the big shot that helps win the '97 um, Finals, which is the other part of the episode. Yeah. And um, yeah, let's just get right into it. Um, so it starts off, they talk about the 97 finals and what fueled MJ in the series was Byron Russell. When MJ was retired, went to, to a, a game or a practice of the Jazz and Byron Russell, this rookie, kind of goes up and doesn't know him, Michael Jordan and just starts talking junk <laughs> about he retired because he was afraid to, you know, have him on him. In the NBA, <laughs> and, yeah, and then they show the not, yeah they show they show the series and Byron Russell's on him and he's just getting torched. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, oh man, I, I mean, like it's hard as someone who's like general, like if I'm playing sports, I tend to be a little cocky, borderline arrogant myself, so I can relate to having confidence and, and a little talking there, but like. I feel like at that point, MJ's career, like, he's coming off a three-peat when he was retired, obviously. It, it, yeah, man, I don't know. Maybe he just thought he'd never be back. But, like, for anyone to make the mistake of, like, giving him something to put on his bulletin board, <laughs> of just, like, okay, mental note, this guy talked trash about it because everybody who did, he came back and, you know, he came back and got every time. Yeah, and this is years later because, you know, this is not like the next year. This is 97. So he must have talked junk in 1994, you know? <laughs> and he just right, held right, on to right. it and remembered it. He's so petty, he just never let it go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the other takeaways from the 97 finals um, was they go into the flu game, which we find out is not the flu game, but a food poisoning game in which late at night, MJ is hungry. Only place open is a pizza. They get it delivered. And this is according to his agent and his best friend. And there's like five guys like delivering the pizza. And then MJ the whole night is, you know, <laughs> throwing up and who knows, God what. Comes out. I can't remember how many points he puts up, but he, you know, comes through and wins the game for him. 
and it kind of turned the series. Um, what did you think about um, that food poisoning? <laughs> yeah, so that was a, the first, obviously, first time I ever heard it. I don't know, you know, I don't know if that's come out prior to this. I think he says in the in the actual documentary that it hadn't. Um, but yeah, I mean, I remember like that. I mean, it's something that I go back to when I'm debating with anyone the greatness of MJ. Like I'm like, my man won a game with the flu, so. Um, it was crazy to see that food poisoning. I never, I never heard that. Um, but like, just a man through that, you know, um, and even play in an NBA game, let alone, uh, you know, have success uh, in a finals game, <laughs> in a final series game, um, while going through something like that that's so like rough on your body, man. Um, again, just highlights incredible uh, how incredible MJ is, but. Uh, yeah, I don't know, man. It was it was nuts. It was cool to see. It was cool to get like a back, you know, that little backstory to that. And um, you know, I I was telling you uh, prior to us jumping on that I seen on Twitter today some guy came out and said that he made and delivered that pizza <laughs> and nothing was wrong with it. So uh, that was interesting. But he only had like fifty followers on Twitter. And he was, <laughs> you know, I don't know. He was like a nobody. But so who knows if there's any truth to that, or if he was even the real guy. But yeah. yeah, I don't know, man. That that, that was amazing to me. I mean, compared to when Scotty had migraine early on, you know, in one of the other episodes, like, I mean, those are, I would say those are comparable uh, conditions, I guess. And he fought through that, so. Yeah, and um, that's the game. I think um, that was a game seven was when Scotty had the migraine and couldn't come through for him. Yeah. And he resented that. But yeah, to go through like food poisoning and have to compete against Hall of Famers and that's just incredible. Like they show, like seeing him on the side after every time out and just covering his head with a towel and man. Yeah. And then um, I'm, I'm just, they ask Jerry Sloan about it. He's like, "Did you know like MJ had the flu?" And he's like, "No." <laughs> and he's like shocked. <laughs> you know. He's like, "God damn." Yeah, I mean, that- <laughs> He said he didn't know. was sick, man. But yeah, what do you say? What do you say to that? Your team just lost to one of the greatest, and he had the flu. What are you supposed to say? <laughs> I don't know if there's a right answer. Yeah. So um, this episode, um, this is um, the episode with with Kerr, as we said earlier. But um, MJ gets basically double teamed and. Passes it to Kerr, and this happened because you know he trusted in Kerr, and he talks to him on the sidelines. Hey, man, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pass to you if I'm like double teamed. And Kerr hits the shot, and kind of you know I'm sure that made his you know his career afterwards and getting paid. But um, what'd you think about Steve Kerr at the um, ceremony? Do you remember his speech? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I thought that was cool, man. Um, it, I think it was it, it was cool to see again, like just them build their relationship that way, and him, him joke around about it in front of the audience, and uh, just having a good time. Because yeah, I mean, outside of went through his career, man, like can you know, imagine just how huge of a moment that was for him, just in general, you know? So um, yeah, I thought that was funny, uh, him joking around about it. And uh, I thought it was interesting too how excited he got when Jordan told him on the sideline, right? Like when Jordan's like, yeah, if I get double team, Jordan's kind of keeping it low-key, covering his face. And Kerr's like, yeah, yeah, I'm going to be ready. You know? <laughs> um, <laughs> so it's cool just to see their relationship grow uh, and, and, and make that shot. And, um, you know, I mean, Jordan's, Jordan made a lot of game-winning shots, but sometimes you gotta, sometimes you got to put your faith in your teammates, man. It was good to see their relationship grow. And him have the comfort with him to dish that off. Yeah. Um, so I take it where I got from this was that he went to John Paxton um, in the early three-peat, and he went to Steve Kerr in this. But how often did he go to Scotty as the as the number two choice, you know? Like, that was, like, yeah. his yeah. running person. But you never heard him. as like, all right, if I'm double-teamed, I'm pass it to him. And Scotty never made, had, like, the opportunity to get these big shots. That's something I, I realized. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. Uh, until you just said something. Um, 
you know, it's crazy because, I mean, Scotty was by far the number two player on that team and obviously the most underpaid player on that team. But, uh, yeah, you don't see him make many games. I mean, he had games where he had, like, little runs in games. He had big points, but I don't, you know, I, don't, I can't recall a game winning game winning shot. Or even just the opportunity in it. They don't talk about it. Yeah. Uh, he did, um, did he make or miss his free throws in the game? He, <laughs> he missed them. Yeah, he we'll missed them. Yeah. made or if he missed those, those uh, free throws or not. Yeah, he missed both. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's the answer. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's why, but yeah, I thought that that was interesting when when it was always like somebody else, but it was never Scottie Pippen. And I, and I wonder if anyone has ever asked Scottie Pippen his thoughts on that. Um, I don't know. Yeah, their relationship in general seemed, you know, it seemed weird. I, I, don't, I don't know how to, like it seemed like they have a good relationship, but it seemed like they both got some things that they hold on, you know, about their time together that... Uh, just has a little awkwardness to it. I don't know. I don't know if you noticed that throughout the series, but like, mm. there just seems to be obviously they have and they don't agree on. There's some things they clearly don't agree on, right? That like you don't really touch on in the series that much. There's a couple where they talk about the migraine and they talk about Pip with the money and stuff like that, but uh, there just there seems to be a little bit that's off. Where when you talk about like a Batman and Robin type relationship, like you know, I would say they were like you know Kobe Shaq, um, but then they have some disconnect there. Where like I don't know if it's ego, I don't you know, I don't know what it was, but it just seemed off a little bit. What do you think? Yeah, in the same way, like they seem to have a good relationship, but I don't know how how deep it actually got in forms of trust. Like um, you see Pippen point to his shoe and tell Jordan, you know, to come back. In those one, in those, in those clips. So, like, I think he realized he needed Jordan, and Jordan obviously said he needed Pippen. But like, you never saw like them at the end of the game, like run and hug each other and do stuff. So I don't, I don't really know how close they were. Um, in terms of that, right? Yeah, I don't, I don't either. I mean, it, it, early on, it shows them like getting on Jerry and you know kind of seeing eye to eye about some things like that but you never really uh, get a feel for like them doing things outside of basketball and stuff too too much too often so I thought that was that, that was like something I took away and I was kind of hot but you know who knows uh, who knows what it was really like yeah um, so episode 10 is basically just the 98 finals because it's the final episode and since it's the last dance, it's about 1998. So they go into the finals to play in the Utah Jazz again. Who they were just so good. I, I remember them with Carl Malone. He just came off an MVP season. John Stockton is you know one of the best point guards of all time. You got Jerry Sloan, who um, whenever he retired, I think he made like 17 straight playoffs, like in a row. So like he's like a great coach. And, yeah, yeah. yeah, and the team's coming back from losing to the same team. And now they have the better record, so they have, like, home field advantage. You know, they got a chip on their shoulder. Right. But, right. Uh, yeah, and the first two games are close. And yeah. yep, then it goes to Chicago. And I, I think it's one-to-one. <laughs> and then, like, the most amazing thing happens, which definitely helps solidify MJ's legacy in the playoffs is they hold them to 56 points and win by 42. <laughs> you know, like the biggest blowout of all time in the finals and the least amount of points a team has ever scored. And you're just looking at, like, the lineup of the Jazz and the best team in the NBA, and you're yeah. like, really? You're like, you just got manhandled. What would you think about that? And yeah, that, that, that baffled me too, man. Because, again, I, like, you know, I was younger, so I... I I remember them winning. I remember the you know the Jazz and Stockton and Malone, and but I just don't remember. You know, I didn't remember that game. Uh, uh, and even if I did, I don't remember that bad. You know, like there really was. I think, like you said, I think they said it was the the lowest.
most amount of points a team had scored in like the shot clock era or something like like since the shot clock had been a thing. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know, man. That, that game, it, like it happens and everything. We've all seen like, regardless of what sport it is, games where everything just kind of falls into place and comes comes together. Teams are on, you know, they're working on all cylinders. Um, but yeah, it was. I think it was a big. It was a big statement uh, when, after sort of struggling a little bit in Utah and like in the series being close, it was nice to uh, get back to Chicago and kind of set the tone. But it ended up being a close series, but um, it was a nice little tone set, like welcome, welcome to Chicago, you know, welcome back. Yeah, and it's like, all right, right after this, you know, like we're gonna start cruising. We're a team. We just had a statement win, and then they go straight into Dennis Rodman. Like not showing up to practice for Game Four, and they they like Phil Jackson's like I don't know where he is. Where like you tell me where he is? <laughs> he hasn't talked to me. <laughs> and they show, they show him hanging out with Hulk Hogan at WCW, <laughs> and you're like I totally forgot that like he was a part of WCW, <laughs> and it's just it's like another thing of Rodman just being this crazy person, <laughs> you know, in the series. Um, what'd you think about yeah, I mean, <laughs> that? Was that was wild, man? I, like I remember that. I remember seeing him on WCW as a kid, but like again, not knowing the significance of like, oh, they're in between games, and he's supposed to be at practice, and he's on like a wrestling promotion, you know. Um, but I, you know, I, my, I know that though it was like for all the distraction that it was, Robin always showed up. He always gave it a hundred percent on the field. Or on the court, and then also like just how Phil understood the kind of person he was. You know, I think uh, what gets lost in leadership at times, and what separates like good coaches from great coaches, is just understanding the players and who they are, and how they need to be coached, and how they need to be supported. And you know, for all the crazy stuff that Pippen had pulled, whether it was like his little Vegas vacation or WCW, you know, Phil always knew that. You know, when he got Robin there, he was going to get 100%. And he managed that personality that I would say, like, a lot of coaches probably wouldn't know what to do. A lot of coaches probably trade him because they, you know, they did not handle that. Yeah. Now, what's your thoughts on a player that they might give you 100%, but off the field, they're just like a wild card like that? Like, like, would you trust them to, you know, come through and just do whatever they want as long as they give you 100% on the field? Or are you about both aspects? Like, how? for a few years they had achieved things together you know so obviously he had a little more trust in him he understood his personality I think uh, you know 90% of the time you're not going to deal with a, a personality like that you know I, I would say even if it would take it would take like like Michael Jordan type level of performance for me to just be like oh this guy can go do whatever he wants but he shows up to practice right I mean think about like Allen Iverson when Allen Iverson would miss practices like Allen Iverson was like one of the best to ever play, you know, a Hall of Fame basketball player, and if he pulled something like that, you know, it was a huge deal. Everybody was talking about it. Um, Robin's not, you know, Robin's not on Iverson level, <laughs> you know. So um, I, I don't know, man. I have a hard time with it. Like, how do you put your trust in someone that does things that are unpredictable? But then at the same time, you can't. You know, I, I would say they couldn't win those championships without it. They needed his rebounding, they needed his physical presence. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know, man. It, it's that's that's a tough one to decide on what to do, but like Phil I think Phil did a good job with it. He handled it well. Um, yeah. I I I, I think he could. Yeah. Um I think it was right after that he talks to the team and is like we someone dishonored us. It's like we gotta like, you know, go back and get our honor back in the game. And I, I, I like that. Although it they didn't say he you know, sat on the bench. So I'm assuming he started the game, you know, and didn't have any consequences. <laughs> yeah, I was I was wondering about that. I'm like, yeah, they didn't really touch on like any consequences. They just like, oh, we kind of called him out at practice, and then you know, we pretended like nothing ever happened. So <laughs> I don't know. You got me there, man. That's, that's interesting. But you know, I, I think it's it's um, the only way I can relate to it is like, you know, when you're when you're managing people. You try and keep them all accountable to the same things, but like 
have someone who is, you know, absolutely killing it. Uh, I don't know, like I've worked in sales and things like that. You have someone who's absolutely killing it. Like you, you got to pick and choose your battles sometimes uh, with how you respond. But that's crazy because that's like on a national spotlight. This man is on TV <laughs> instead of in practice. So. And Hulk Hogan called him yeah, out yeah, for missing yeah. practice. You're like. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god! Yeah, I don't know, man. I I, I was trying to think. Um, I actually watched last week. Have have you ever seen another superstar like Rodman, like somebody who just was like, just did whatever he wanted? I couldn't even really think of anybody Mm -hmm. on his level of just like, you know, you never knew what to expect. Like you got guys who get in trouble and drugs and things like that, and then you have guys who skip practices to set like on his level of like doing whatever he wanted to do and kind of being a wild card I can't think of any anybody like him no I heard he made like $220,000 or 250 going to that event for from WCW and his fine was $20,000 so <laughs> <laughs> he made up yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh. Yeah. That's a come up, man. That's yeah. So um, another thing you you learn about, and I don't remember this, but um, Pippin's back. Um, something happened to it in the previous game. He comes out, he gets the ball, he makes a dunk, and you can just see him like wincing, and you like his back is still hurting him, but it's like a lot. He's barely going up and down the court, and. Like in my mind, watching this, I was like, "Man, he's he's like hurt again. Like he's not going to play this game, and they're going to lose." <laughs> like right, this, right. like is this a theme of Scottie Pippen that I don't remember? And but like it ends in a good note for Scottie because you know he's like, "I'm coming back." You know, if I'm just a decoy out there, that's fine because I'm such a good player, and I got his numbers. He ended up playing 26 minutes in that game. And he scored eight points, um, obviously two right in the beginning. But MJ was like, just be out there, and I'll take, take care of the rest. Um, what did you think about um, the, like the last thing they talk about with Scottie Pippen with his back? Yeah, I mean, I, I, uh, I thought the same thing you thought initially. Like, I was like, oh, man, first it's migraine, then it's, like, back. Like, you know, it's this dude just, like, afraid of the spotlight, like, big, big games, like, you know, I'm like, well, how are you afraid of big games? You got, you know, six champs, right? But it, it definitely, initially, I was like, oh, this guy could have been kind of soft. But you could see when he the ball, like, ring, and really, he was clearly in pain, man. And, like, just to, just to fight through it, I mean, you better fight through it, right? You're playing with MJ. You know he's going to fight through everything he can, whether it be the flu game, whether it be playing 50-some minutes, because... He has to because you know Pip is hurt. Um, but yeah, that, that definitely uh, sure earned the respect of his teammates, and it probably helped his legacy because you see they touch on it a little bit where like people try and say Scotty Pippen's soft every now and again. Um, but I definitely think uh, I, it was eye opening to me. Like and then you start thinking through it in your head, like could you actually play a game in that kind of pain, right? Like, what are you supposed to do? But he fought through it, you know, and uh, and they won the game. So that was that was big for him, I would say. Yeah, and then it goes um, basically to game six, um, which is, uh, you know, it's it's history now. So we know it's the final game of the series, and the final right. game before they break up. But um, Bob Costas, I think, is the guy. He talks about like the last minute and a half is like the greatest he's ever seen anybody ever play. And MJ, I think, makes a three. And then a Hall of Famer, John Stockton, gives the ball to a Hall of Famer, Carl Malone. And he, he, Carl Malone just doesn't see MJ not, like, follow the pick and stay there, steals it, brings it down, and then they interview like, Scotty, and he's like, I know I'm not touching the ball. Like, <laughs> MJ's taking the last shot. Right. And then, you know, he yeah. does his move, makes it, and, you know, it's championship. Well, what did you think about, like, that final minute of NJ? Yeah, I mean, 
that's that's what separates the great ones, right? Like just that desire to win, you know, at all costs. It doesn't, you know, he wasn't going to let anybody else shoot that shot. We knew that he did what he had to do to get the ball back, so it wasn't in somebody else's hands. Man, I thought it was incredible, uh, and him just understanding, like you know, the mental awareness of, you know, this is the play they like to run, and this is how they like to do it, and you know, they know I'm going to switch. Um, just just shows you the type of competitor he was, man. I, yeah, I thought, you know, even the even the, when he took the shot initially, I'm like, ah, oh, did he leave too much time on the clock, right? Because he like waited for a little opening, and then he, you know, when he took the jumper, there was still still a little bit of time on the clock. Um, but yeah, man, I thought it was just as you know, it seals his greatness. It's it's who else can you think of like? Uh, even LeBron, when LeBron won his championships in Miami, like, you know, he played great, but, you know, uh, what you call him, took the shot, uh, Kyrie. Ray Allen took oh, the yeah. shot. Yeah, man, you know, yeah. Like, so, it, it's like, even, like, to be the one who, you make the shot, you get the ball back on defense, and you make the game winning shot, that's, it's, incre- it's incredible with me, man, it's crazy. Um, and then hopefully, I think hopefully people have a better understanding of just like, his drive and competitiveness and, like, you know, will to do whatever it takes to win. Yeah. Um, I also like that it was also on Byron Russell, too. He was the, he was the defender. <laughs> <laughs> he got the final say for her. Again. <laughs> you know. Um, but, yeah, everyone keeps saying it's a push-off. But when you look closely, you're like, he didn't push off. Like, that was just terrible defense. He was going one way and, you know. I mean, I agree with what Jordan said. I mean, you just you can see his momentum is going. He hardly, you know, I mean, he hardly touched him. And even though he did, he pushed him in. He nudged him in the, the, the direction that his momentum was taking him anyway. Like, it wouldn't have, it wouldn't have made a difference. I don't think. It's nothing like the Reggie Miller <laughs> that we've seen, you know, earlier, earlier in, the, uh, in the the round before. But, uh, yeah, no, I don't I don't push off that. Enough for me. Yeah, yeah. So it so some um, the last two takeaways from episode ten um, was MJ, you know, celebrating, playing the piano, you know, and people like, hey, like, what's happening next year? What's happening next year? And he's like, man, just like live in the moment. And I thought that was that was um, interesting to see because I always felt like he wasn't about the moment. He was about like making, achieving this, and then achieving the next thing, and like. Never really, um, you know, celebrated it enough. Like, you'd celebrate it for, like, a few seconds and then move on. Yeah, yeah, no, I thought that was interesting, too, uh, when they talked about that and and how he, you know, he just wanted to, and and who knows, maybe he felt like it was that to an extent, you know what I mean, and just, like, wanted to cherish that for for everything that it was. Um, I mean, imagine the emotional... Imagine the emotion in like going into a season. It doesn't matter if you're 82 and 0. Like we're gonna we're gonna break this whole thing up when it's all said and done, you know. And then you, when you go in, you win a championship against odds, whether it be you know Pippen's back, flu game, whatever. Like you got all these things against you, and you turn around, and you win it anyway. Um, you know, I, I think you just felt had to be in that moment and enjoy that for what it was, in case it was the, the last time. You know that he actually got to do that. Yeah, it ends. It ends basically them talking about: Is it going to actually? Are we actually going to break this team up? Like everyone's riding high. You know they've had some time to think about it. They talk to the owner, and he's like, "Yeah, I I told Phil he could come back like the next year if he wanted to." And then they talk to Phil, and he's just like, "It just wouldn't be the same." You know, after being told, like, "I'm not coming back." <laughs> if I go undefeated yeah. to come back and have to deal with that same guy that told me that. But um Yeah. How do you do that as a man? And, like there's there's a level of like just being a man and like respect and like for you to you know, someone to tell you like, Hey, it doesn't matter how great you do at your job, this you're with us. Like but, I mean, yeah, I I, I don't blame him. Uh, you know, I probably would have walked away too, especially with them wanting to rebuild. I mean, they do kind of hit at like, hey, there's still going to be some changes. We're going to be a rebuilding team. And Phil says that he doesn't want to be a part of a loop, um, you know, or go through everything it 
team. But, um, yeah, I think this is my just like, um, <laughs> no matter what, like, this is the end. Um, and you see it in other sports where, uh, I don't know, you see it a lot in NFL quarterbacks, right? Where, like, you have this really great quarterback, but he's getting to the end of his career. And a lot of times, teams don't really have a replacement yet. They, they force him to retire. They kind of push him out the door. And, and then they spend how many years looking for another great quarterback, right? And that's what, that's what happened in this instance. Like, I mean, how many times have the Bills even made it? Yeah, Bills probably, or I mean, Bulls, not the Bills. Bulls probably haven't even been in the playoffs, you know, a, a third of the time, time since this. Like, they've not really competed. They've not really been successful at rebuilding. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know, man. I, I think uh, it would have been tough because I feel like whenever Jay Thomas played, even if everybody took one year to get I don't think they would have got pit back. You know, Pitt went on a sign of a big contract, I think, with. Um, I'm not 100%, but it was inside a, a contract with somebody. Uh, but, I, you know, I think with, like, as long as he was underpaid and everything he went through, I don't think they would have had him back, uh, regardless of if Phil stayed in Jordan State. Yeah, and that's a good point, like, about these, like, these dynasties is they all get, they all have to get paid eventually, and now they're all bigger than what they, right. than what they were before the dynasty started. So just to like keep them all around is going to be almost impossible. And like like yeah. Pippen, like how much you're going to have to pay Pippen to stay in Chicago when now you know he can go anywhere he wants and and make you know twenty million dollars a season. Yeah, after game, oh, for his entire career, I think realistic. It was realistic that they they would have had to rebuild that team and it was it, I don't want to say there's anything wrong with preparing for the future and trying to be ready to rebuild that team I don't think there's a question they would have competed again if they if, if put the team on the court I know I'm jumping in earlier but um, I think it's a be the finals and who's to say you know who's to say what would have happened um yeah, yeah. Now that '99 season, um, I don't think they mentioned it, but it was a lockout season. So there was 50 oh. games. It was 50 games played. So they could have had the rest, but I, I, but still, you would still lose Pippen and some of these other people. Like, is that? It's still not going to be the same, the same team that just won yeah. three in a row. You know, and then yeah, for sure. I mean, without 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 Pippen, it doesn't happen. Yeah, and I, I think I think MJ wanted to, but he wasn't going to co- go for anybody besides Phil. And and I respect right. Phil for not coming for not coming back and having to work with Jerry and making it you know this this tumultuous season for him again. Yeah. So I, I'm kind of yeah. glad that they didn't try it. Yeah, I mean, if they weren't going to do it. Um, he ended up staying until 2003 because I was looking at it, and the team was – they finished last in 99. They finished last, and I think, until 2002. And then I kind of stopped looking. But they were the worst team in the Eastern Conference every one of those years. There was like 13 wins, 15, like 17, 17. So it wasn't like the rebuild was working. So – you know, Jerry, Jerry, Jerry just kind of left. <laughs> yeah, I mean, because I did, you know, I debated that in my head a little bit as I watched the series. It's like, you got to give Jerry the respect for putting together the team that he put together, right? Like, he did put good pieces around Jordan. Obviously, he drafted Jordan. And, you know, you got Pippen and even Kukos. They put together a good team together. He's I was kind of curious. I mean, I knew the answer. I knew that obviously he wasn't successful in 
rebuilding another dynasty because they've not sniffed success since then. But, um, you know, I can't even think. Who is who of the Bulls are? They got Derek Rose. I mean, yeah. Um, uh, well, Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler. Was in, Jimmy Butler. They had a yeah. They had a lot of top picks that didn't go the <laughs> the way they wanted to. Yeah. Um, they had a guy, and I remember this team. They were, um, his name was Marcus Pfizer. He was an amazing co- college basketball player. He was like the fourth pick in the draft. He never panned out. So it was like they could never get that that big name in those years right after with Jerry, which I think kind of killed Jerry because once he had that big one, he could work around him. But right, if he didn't right, have that sure. big one, he couldn't like make a team. Yeah, you know, what, you know, I thought it was funny too. I hate to jump back to it, but like when Jerry was all gung ho on signing Kukoc, and like Jordan then went and played him in the Olympics and just like bullied him. <laughs> like, so I mean, I don't know. Jerry was always constantly looking ahead, trying to figure out what the next thing was, and, and maybe that ended up being. You know his own weaknesses that he was just always trying to prepare for the post MJ era, um, and he pushed it upon himself too soon. Yeah, yeah, that Kukoc thing. It was like he was a smart man at the time to go after him, but like what well, like Pippen and Jordan said, like we're right here winning championships, and you're over in in Europe talking about how great this guy is for for your team. Well, look at your team right now. Like we're the best in the league. Yeah, yeah, that was that was wild, man. But you know, I, I mean, obviously, um, they didn't have much success after. I, I, I hate to, uh, I don't know, man. It's just it's just one. Like I was a Bulls fan when I was a kid because of them. You know, I'm a Heat fan now, and so I, I just decided years ago I was going to like all Miami teams uh, to go, to go with my football. But um, you know that that D Wade Shaq era was uh, huge for me, but. It's just, I don't know, man. Like, I went from loving the Bulls as a kid and Michael Jordan and wanted to be like Mike and just, like, to didn't even follow basketball for years after that. Yeah. Let it go because, because of the impact that that team had and they were all gone. Yeah. I'm looking up, I'm looking up who they drafted um, since, since they ended. And it's like nobody big name that you can think of that had an impact like alright so they had they had two good draft picks in 99 which was Elton Brand and um, Ron Artest that's not bad but then after that nobody Jay Williams but he only played like three seasons and got hurt or one season Ben Gordon he was he was okay yeah but like I'm right now I'm in 2008 with Derrick Rose so they went a long time without being, you know, relevant. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, and even even Derek Rose. I mean, it was like small success and what injuries or whatever. I mean, whatever is like ruined his career. But it's a very slight taste of success, and then back to mediocre. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know. I mean, they had Jimmy Butler for a little while, but you know, I don't know. Yeah. He's gonna see he's gonna see success elsewhere down in Miami. <laughs> <laughs> he is. It would have been it would have been interesting to see um how the rest of the season played out with Miami and Jimmy Butler. Oh yeah. yeah. For, for, for sure. You know, but um alright, but yeah, th- those were the um the recaps of the seasons or of, of the episodes. Um what was your worst part yeah. of the series? Um yeah, so uh, you got to see all ten. Your worst part of the series. Um, what, what did you have? Um, I, don't, I don't really, I don't really have a, a worst moment mm-hmm. per se. Uh, I think just the, the way the series was put together, um, it, it bounced around a lot. It went from rookie year to '98 to '97 to. 92 to you know whatever it just jumped around I think it was kind of harder to follow at times because of that um that 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 annoyed me a little bit um 
But other than that, there wasn't there wasn't really a specific event that transpired that I was just like, ah, that was you know that wasn't done well or or whatever. I thought I thought it was very well done. I thought the show was good. Um, I just thought they bounced around a little bit too much sometimes. It made it hard to keep up with. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's a lot of great things about it, like how many people he was able to interview for it. I wish he could have got Carmelone in there, but you know, some people say no. Um, but right, right. yeah, what I what I originally thought before going into this was that it was going to be all about 1998, and then you kind of got in the past, and I kind of accepted it. But I always felt like there should be more 1998 like footage because they had a camera crew with them, like. How do you only have, like, right, right. 45 minutes of material with the camera crew around a team for, like, almost the whole season, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it definitely felt a little rushed at the end, um, squeezing, squeezing that last season and, like, really an episode and a half, maybe. I mean, obviously, they touched on it at different points at, at different episodes or whatever, but it was kind of like a, you know, like a footnote. They, they talk about... 92 or 93 or whatever, and they be deep into that, and they jump to 98 for like a few minutes, but then they go back to whatever. I, I agree with that. I think they could have touched a little bit more about that season and some of the stuff they they went through. And um, I mean, because the NBA season is a long season, so yeah, there was probably plenty plenty more footage and plenty more they could have talked about. Um, but it did seem kind of rushed at the end to get through that season uh, and straight to like the basically the finals yeah now um the last thing what was your best part of the series as a whole that you that you noticed so so I changed originally I was going to say um when I covered his father and baseball and his retirement and sort of why why those things happen which a lot of people just like oh he retired to play baseball they don't really get so I really liked how they dug into that, and that was going to be my favorite part. But the more I think about it, it's really just how in-depth they go into how competitive Jordan is, you know, um, whether it be trash talk, whether it be him finishing, whether it be playing quarters with his security guys, right? Like, everything he did, he was super competitive about, and he took serious, and he wanted to win, and he hated losing. Um, and even, you know, they talk about gambling a little bit and like he had like some gambling run-ins and, but, but why? Because he's super competitive <laughs> and he wants to win. Um, and I, I think, you know, I think that's something that people, people hopefully will come to understand a little better. Like not trying to compare myself to like the goat, but I'm, I'm personally super competitive and like, I hate to lose and like, I want to win at everything I do. Um, so it was interesting just to see from an outsider's perspective like what you probably look like to other people <laughs> sometimes <laughs> when you're uh, you know when you're trash talk not even just that but like how hard it could be on your teammates like I, I thought it was interesting to see I think they could have jumped into that a little bit more but it was interesting to see like how hard he was on his teammates and how hard it could be to play with him um, and how hard he pushed to be great uh, I think that's the part that ultimately will be the best part for better or for worse, um, where people take away, like, you know, how competitive he was and, and, and how, what impact that had on, like, him being the great player that he that he is. Yeah, I, I think, if I'm remembering it correctly, he, like, made the cameras stop when they were talking about that at one point. Like, he got super emotional about how he treated his, his teammates sometimes. You know, and he started off, you know, like, hey, man, like, you got to win at all costs. But then he also also got to, like, that emotional, where, like, he knew, like, he could be, like, wrecking, like, their whole psyche. <laughs> you yeah. know. Um, I had, I have my my best moment, and then I got a takeaway from the series, is I learned, like, you can't mess with MJ and get away with it. Like, George Carl, like, they go to the same university. George Carl doesn't say hi to him. He holds it against the whole team. Bob and Russell, you know, joke tries to joke with them three years or two years before, you know, they meet in the finals. He holds it against them. That uh, that Washington Wizards rookie scores thirty seven, says hi, good game, Mike. He holds it against them, <laughs> and and you find out that he made that up. Right, <laughs> right. Yeah, but it was just like a common thing that like if you mess with MJ, like 
Like, that's the worst thing you can do. Like, Reggie Miller did it, and they mentioned Reggie Miller, called him Michael Jordan, and then he and then he did something, he's like, you call me Black Jesus. <laughs> and he's like, I never called him Michael Jordan after that. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that goes with just the competitiveness, man. Just, like, it, I, I don't even understand. Like, you get to a point where you're like, why are you even giving a guy this competitive and this great anything to motivate him further than like he's already motivated to be right like I don't know man like I, you know that's just me like why are you knocking on the door of someone who chances are you're gonna lose against anyway <laughs> and then you have like one little moment of success and then you use that as a, as a time to talk trash like yeah I mean it definitely it was one of the better things of the series is just highlighting these little times where somebody may have talked trash to him or someone may have bet against him or you know I think even um, when is it he goes golfing with is it is it uh, Celtics he's, he's golfing with somebody and um, they kind of whoop on him on the golf course and then like the next day he just destroys them <laughs> <laughs> on the basketball court right like it's I don't know man it, it definitely uh, he has a mean streak to him uh, and, and a level of petty that he doesn't forget anything he takes notes so that was cool yeah um, I, the takeaway I got from watching this series that I hope other people took away was it's just how soft the NBA is now when it comes to fouls and just like overall level of play like you just see how physical people were back then and like it's a completely different game now. It's more finesse and shooting threes. But, like, just, like, how tough you had to be back then, like, the whole season of these big men just pushing you around constantly if you're smaller than them. You know? Uh, yeah. Like, um, yeah. yeah. I don't know. I agree, man. I, I, I couldn't help but, you know, the Detroit series. You watch the Detroit series. You watch different games where, where guys are beating on each other and now you got guys flopping in the NBA and you know they can walk and get away with it um, yeah I mean it's, obviously we all know it's different eras of the game um, but yeah I mean definitely it, it makes you have a little bit less respect for, for some of the guys who are doing it now um, I, you know I, I think you know one thing I wondered and kind of took away from it is like I wonder what kind of impact all of that had on Steve Kerr's coaching, right? And just, like, adjusting to the modern game. And, like, you know, because his team, the team he has, they've had a lot of success shooting, right, basically. I mean, uh, not that they can't do other things, but they've had an open offense that, like, essentially he allows them to shoot three-pointers as much as they want, which is, like, most coaches in NBA history – you know, a three a three pointer is a low percentage shot, and they're not. You know, that, that's not the game plan. That's not in, that's not in the game. So, I did watching it and getting to know Steve Kerr a little bit. I just wondered what his experiences with that team, and you know, maybe going against Larry Bird's teams and things like that. How that affected his coaching career, and um, you know, how he went about the game, and and how much of an impact Phil Jackson had on you know, his coaching and, and his style. That was one thing I kind of took away. It just made me wonder about Steve Kerr a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, I hope Steve Kerr comes out and talks about that, like those comparisons you mentioned, because I don't know if I've ever heard of those comparisons. And he has adjusted to to the new era of the NBA very well, obviously, you know, five finals in a row. But, like... Right. Yeah, like, I wonder what his take is on, like, today's players against, you know, the players of 20 years ago. I don't know if, he, I don't know if he's ever spoken on that, per se. Yeah, I, I don't know. It was just, you know, it's just something I wonder. It's like, obviously, Phil Jackson continued to run the triangle offense and have success doing his thing uh, with the Lakers. And, but I just wondered, like, how much of what he learned from Phil Jackson you know, that, that Steve Kerr carried with him in his own coaching career. Uh, who, who knows? Let me ask you, uh, so do you think do you think this impacts the LeBron 
MJ argument in any way? Do you, do you think younger guys who didn't really see Jordan, this is going to sway them anyway? Do you think it's going to make it worse? Like, how do you think no. that impacts that? I think that it makes a lot of people realize that MJ is a lot better than what they've heard because they now they've got to see him in like all these games, like against the Celtics. He's the eight seed. They're the one seed. He gets like sixty points against all, the like four Hall of Famers, and like comes back and scores sixty again. Right. <laughs> you know, and they're like, "That's the toughest like person we had to ever play." You know, and then just hearing these these big name people have like day in and day out talk about him and just how many records he like set. Um, like the trivia, yeah. I, I really like the trivia because some people, when they go and say, hey, LeBron was better, which also, by the way, why does, why is Kobe getting forgotten in the conversation, you know? Um, yeah, but, like, 100%. yeah, it might have been episode 9 or 10. It was one of them. And they mentioned, like, who has the most, uh, the record for beating the most 60-win teams in the playoffs? And it's Scotty and Jordan. So they obviously played good teams. And they had to beat really yeah. good teams, and you know, I, I think, I think it makes LeBron. Most people should realize like LeBron is not the goat now. Like if you watch this, my takeaway is that is yeah. like it's not a comparison anymore. Before I could kind of make it and justifiable. He's been to nine championships, but I'm like, but look at what. MJ had to go through to get these. <laughs> like, and he, yeah, he stayed with the same team and just like grinded it out. And and yeah, like if he didn't retire, like he probably could have won eight in a row. You know. Right. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. I I wonder. Um, you know, I don't I don't know how much of a real impact it's going to have. Like in my mind, it it should help these young guys, but. Like I see, so like KJ, KJ is a, he's a LeBron, is the greatest to a team, right? Like that's just what he believes. And so after those first couple episodes or whatever, um, when MJ scores 60 and loses, you know, to uh, to the Celtics basically doing it by himself, you know, I text him, I'm like, I'm like, my man got player of the game two games in a row. Like that, he lost. Like, <laughs> just, just think about how hard that's. I mean, you don't you don't hear somebody getting player of the game in the game they lose. Like I, I didn't even know you could to be completely honest with you. <laughs> um, you know, and I texted him and he was like, "Yeah, but he lost." You know, that's his takeaway. Like, but he lost. You know, so it doesn't matter that he scored sixty mm-hmm. points; he still lost. Which is, come on, man! Like that's crazy to me. But uh, I feel like LeBron. Fanboys are still going to be LeBron fanboys, and you know. But hopefully, outside of the debate, which it's unfortunate that we even have to debate the two because greatness is greatness, and you kind of just got to respect it. But um, hopefully, they will at least have more appreciation for what Jordan did, um, and just seeing seeing the things that he went through. I mean, you know, I, I agree with you though. Like the fact that Kobe Bryant isn't in that conversation because I feel like Kobe Bryant has the same mentality as Jordan. Like they both had that, that competitiveness that like, you know, risk it all, do whatever we got to do, whatever Kobe call it, the Mamba mentality. Like that's a, that's Jordan. You know what I mean? That's the same thing. They want the last shot. They want the ball in their hands. They want to win the game. Like they'll do what they need to do. Um, I mean, LeBron's a different basketball player, different kind of dude. So, yeah, I also feel like, and we always don't talk about this, but like defense is also part of for me when you talk about being the greatest. Like that's half the game is playing defense, and Jordan won. Yeah, he was on the first team defensive team nine times, which is which is the most with Gary Payton. Like, just just think about that. He was he was not just offense with the number one score. But he's also the number one best player on defense of all time, you know. So he's got both categories. So like to me, it's like, how come no one wants to talk about defense? <laughs> like that should have that should be a factor in this. Yeah, I mean, look at uh, when when people debate uh, Steph Curry. You know, it's one of the first things they point out. They're like, well, he can't really play defense. You know, look at look at Westbrook. Westbrook can score. He can play defense. Like, but when you have the LeBron 
J conversation. Nobody really wants to talk about defense. Which, you know, I mean, LeBron, look how big and strong and fat. Like, LeBron is a freak of nature. Like, he should be an elite defender, you know. Is he? I'll leave that up for <laughs> for everybody else to debate. Like, yeah. Uh, um, yeah, I don't know about you, but I would definitely watch this series again. Um, and I hope it comes out on, like, DVDs with all the deleted scenes and, you know, like, extra interviews and stuff because it left you wanting more. Like, ironically, like, this is 10 hours worth of worth of footage and interviews, but it left you still wanting more. Um, and that's, that's what I think made it so great that everyone's talking about it everywhere you go. Yeah, no, it definitely... Uh we're quarantined <laughs> but no I agree man I, I, I would I would definitely I will watch it again I, I'll definitely be watching it again um, I could have watched more of it I would have liked to see more interviews or like behind the scenes stuff that didn't come out um, just the even even more like personal side you know what I mean like more personal stuff uh, with MJ but uh, I'll definitely definitely watch it again at some point in time and, and I'm actually going to make I'm gonna make my my son watch it because <laughs> he didn't uh, he didn't he was like playing Fortnite or something the first couple episodes so I didn't make him watch it with me, but he's basketball is his sport now he loves basketball 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 and I'm like but then you got to sit down and watch this series <laughs> because you can't be a basketball fan and not watch this this documentary yeah and I, I think I, I think in a few years from now. Like when LeBron fans are done, and it's like Zion Williamson. Like we gotta have them watch this just to appreciate like the '90s, you know? Oh yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. This yeah. I feel like yeah, this series is definitely gonna last the times, and that's what I like about it. It's not just relevant to the '90s, but like for all basketball fans, like in the future. Yeah, I mean, everybody, everybody watched it. You know, I mean, everybody watched. I'm sure there's people that didn't watch it, but there's people who like weren't even into basketball really, but just know the the levels of you know it's Michael Jordan, like, <laughs> and they watched it. So I definitely think it'll last. I think it'll it'll have a huge impact on um, not just people, but like basketball players, like these young guys who who maybe they idolize LeBron or, or maybe some of these younger guys. And these younger guys, these rookies, like to really see and get a better understanding of what what us old heads are talking about when we're like banging on the table saying George was the greatest, you know. Um, so I think a lot of these these younger guys will watch it. And it'll have an impact on them and their careers and and sort of how they go about things too. Yeah. Well, um, thanks, CJ, for joining the podcast. Um, I, I appreciate your take. Um, and for all the listeners, thank you for listening to this series that um, that we just did. If you want to check out more episodes, go to the podcast on everything.com or check us out on iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher. We're on everything, Google, all that.